Hello and welcome to Don't Feed the Geeks, presented by the Long Island Comic Guys, the masters of the geeky verse. Welcome back, Geek Freaks. We have an awesome episode for you today. We our episode today is all about collecting a profit, how to make a profit out of your collection or your collecting. Um, but we also have a really cool ending segment for you guys today. We're going to bring back our awesome 80s movie review. Uh, today's movie is RoboCop. We haven't done this in a while, so I'm glad we finally brought it back. Uh, I am TC, joined as always by JJ. What up, guys? How are you today? Toy Story. What's up, everybody? Good to see you guys. Hey, you too. Yes, it is good to see people again. Yes. <laughs> you're looking very bright today, TC. Like your yeah, color. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. My color. I, I've I, I've been uh, focusing on my herbals, my herbal <laughs> teas. So I'm, I'm drinking my. Excellent. You should get your daughter to do some makeup on you. To, you know. She's not there yet. She's not there yet. <laughs> um, but before we get into anything else, uh, Toy Story, would you like to take the geek beat away? Yeah, let's do it. So I think the biggest thing since the last time we recorded was the passing of the late, great Sir Sean Connery, one of the greatest yeah. of all time. That one hit me hard. Yeah, that was tough. Even though he's he was 90, I think, right? Yeah, so he, is, he lived a great, long, great life. He has been out of the public eye for years. I think probably at least like 15 years, right? Yeah, probably something like that. The last time I saw him in a movie was like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, I think, yeah, I think he's just been filling in Bermuda. I think that's where he was. <laughs> yeah, I think he did like a voice work for a few things here or there. I think one of the he did he voiced some like dragon in some Scottish cartoon. And he also, <laughs> one of the last things he did was. He lent his voice to the From Russia with Love video game, and I think that came out on like PlayStation Two. Oh, uh, if you want, to, if you want a little background on how long ago it's, he's been out of the loop. But um, yeah, yeah, it stinks. You know, he was in a ton of great stuff. I mean, I think I can't. I was trying to think if I saw him in Highlander or the um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade first. I think it was the Last Crusade. I probably saw Highlander when I was a little older. But you didn't see the Bond stuff first. No, I mean. I I was born in '84, so I didn't get into the Bond stuff until I was like probably an early teenager, maybe like 10, 12. Mm -hmm. So yeah. there's a lot of other stuff that kind of like caught my eye that he did way before that. Mm -hmm. I remember him in the Bond stuff. Oh first. my god, they're so good! I watched those last year. His movie, his Bond movies. Yeah. I mean, they're really good. I've I haven't actually seen all of. I think so. I've watched From Russia with Love, but I I never watched Doctor No, which is the first one, right? Yeah, it's the first yeah. one. It was good. I mean, he's also done a lot of other great stuff besides, you know, Highlander, which was fantastic. And he said some voices out. I mean, he was, I think was, didn't he do uh, like, uh, he did like a, a couple dragon, of, Dragonheart. Well, right, Dragonheart. But he did a couple like Western type, but they weren't Western. They were like Outback. Like, um, he was in a movie called Medicine Man. I mean, yeah. one of my favorites, he's, um, so he's so, it's hilarious what they would cast him as. So in Highlander, he was supposed to be an Egyptian from Spain, who, an Egyptian who lived in Spain and was coming to Scotland to help out um, the guy who was the Highlander. Meanwhile, he's Scottish and the other guy's French. <laughs> and and um, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. Finish up. 
No, and then I was going to say, and then in the hunt for Red October, he's a he's a Russian submarine pilot with a Scottish British accent. I was just like, this is great. I was like, he's just they're like, we don't care. We just want Sean Connery. So another one of my favorites. <laughs> they write the character too, Sean Connery, not the other oh, way. Oh yeah, like I mean, I've literally like anything he was in. I I enjoyed his performance. Even if the movie wasn't great, he made it better. Yeah. And you can't forget The Rock. I mean, that was another amazing one my, movie. One of my all time favorites too. Too. Yeah. Like amazing. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's it's it sucks. Yeah. You know, it, it it lessens the blow a little bit because we he's really been away for so long. But yeah. I mean, still, and also he lived a long time, so yeah, he, he lived a long good life. Yeah, I'm sure he, he was more than comfortable in his life. I know. He, I know he was. Did he? He had Alzheimer's or something. Yeah, I think he had like Alzheimer and dementia. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure he was comfortable where he was. left an awesome, you know, film legacy. Um, yeah, stuff for people to enjoy for years to come. Yeah, for sure. You got to figure his first movie was 1954. Mm -hmm. A long he was, time ago. He was also like a Mr. Universe in like the 50s too. Mm -hmm. Was he? Yeah, he? yeah, he was a really interesting guy. Good stuff. Yeah. We will miss him. Yep. We shall move on though to The Mandalorian, oh. which has since returned since we last recorded. We have two episodes in the bag and it is freaking awesome. Do you guys want amazing. to talk a little bit about it? Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Especially that first episode. Yeah. What's that? The first one was especially incredible. Oh my god, yeah. We so, got a lot. We got a lot out of the first one. A lot of uh, old, you know, legacy first Star Wars, nineteen seventy seven items. Everything, you know, the, the the dragon and and everything was, you know, from other series. There was little snippets from other, yeah. which was fantastic. And it's just done so well. Like he obviously walked into to the Moss Eisley Cantina in that Last episode in the last episode last but it's not yeah but it's not like they're not putting in these like jarring references that feel out of place like it feels like it's supposed to be you know who was looking who was looking for the the shot that hit the wall behind I know. Uh, was it there i didn't see it i looked <laughs> i went back and looked i didn't see it <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm loving it so far though um so far it's been two like independent adventures yeah. um but i kind of I, I do like that style you, you weren't crazy about the second one right tc and I I didn't think it was bad. It was just kind of like lackluster. I feel like it's like a filler episode where you didn't really advance the story at all. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I mean, all shows do that. It just kind of stinks with like a show like this because you're only going to eat episodes. Yeah. So in, in actuality, does that mean we're only going to get really four awesome episodes and four that are just kind of like, okay. <laughs> and it was short too. It was 41 minutes long. It was shorter. Like the first one was 50 something. Last night, yeah. Yes, this past one. It was short. I feel like we're like I want the next threat to be like a non-monster related threat at this point yeah. because like we had like the dragon which was awesome the sand dragon and then we had like these spider things again I was like all right enough with the monster threats let's <laughs> let's move on to like cooler stuff <laughs> I think we'll get there I think there's yeah, a lot no, I think so too it's just it was, you know. it was cool seeing Dave Filoni in the X wing yes <laughs> again and he's got a name this time they yeah. actually gave him a name they didn't yeah. give him the name last time yeah. uh, his name was uh, Trader what was it Trader something or other yeah it was it was cool it was cool to see him and to see those x-wings trader wolf trapper wolf i'm trapper. sorry trapper wolf which was kind of cool um so let me ask you so when are they going to come out with the dr mandible action figure <laughs> i don't know dr mandible he was the uh the guy the the guy that she was playing cards with in the cantina uh they actually gave him a name too yeah. dr mandible <laughs> He looked like the ant from uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I, I love that character. It was great. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to the next couple episodes, hopefully. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure that character from the first episode will be back at some point. 
Johnny. Let's hope so. Let's yeah. hope so. Yeah. Oh, um, that character. Yeah. Speaking of that character, uh, Mr. J Day, do you want to talk about this a little bit? I didn't see this news actually. So I don't know. I, how I missed it. Yeah, I I was shocked to see this, but uh, there is a Boba Fett series in the works. Um, and from what I understand is they may push season three of the Mandalorian to later 2021 and get this first season of Boba Fett in between season two and season three. So we should see this before season three hits. Uh, I mean, they're filming it now probably, right? <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what's going on with that. It's just, it was just brought up Yeah. And in the same article I read. Um, there is talks of a female-centered Star Wars series coming out. Um, this one being led by a director named Leslie Hartland. Headland, I'm sorry, Headley, Leslie Headland. Mm -hmm. um, she wants, there's talks, uh, D, uh, Disney Plus, of a female-centric, more of like a martial arts type of thriller Star Wars. Well, it may integrate some of these female characters we've seen like Cara Dune and right yeah I, I was hearing that she was possibly going to get her own series mm -hmm. it may be from this director Leslie she was killer I mean I mean it could be her Ahsoka and yeah. who's the girl from um Rebels the oh, Sabine. Oh, Sabine. it could yeah. be those three yeah. I can I mean that would be my guess like right off the bat yeah. and now you know in these times it makes sense I mean they I think yeah. You, they want to get more of the female, attract more of the female um, viewers. Mm -hmm. Not that I mean, my wife especially just, now. Yeah, when they have like you know the iron still hot on like the you know the second you know trilogy. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens with that. I'm actually quite yeah. excited to see this Boba who's Fett. The, who's the curly haired lady from Mandalorian? The, the who he always goes back to visit at the ship port with I, the droids. Like, what's her name? Yeah, is she is she a famous actress? No, I think she does a lot of um, voiceovers. Yeah, she does a lot of voiceovers. She's work. funny as hell. I love that character. She, I think she also because I was I watched the behind the scenes on the first Mandalorian, mm -hmm. and I think she does a lot of um, motion capture. Like she's oh. in the suit for a lot of the stuff too. I forgot which character she was doing. I think she might have done uh, the the pig face guy. What was his name? Oh, really? Yeah, I think she actually did the movements of that guy. Well, obviously Nick Nolte did the voice, mm -hmm. but she's the one who like reacted and did all the the controlled movements. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Amy Sardis is her name. I think that's how you pronounce it. Oh that no, she is. Yeah, a Amy Sardis. Yeah, she's like a comedian. She's a comedian. Yeah, he so maybe he's, maybe he's, I'm thinking of someone really else. Yeah. I guess oh, she was. She's an elf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen her. I don't remember seeing her before. I really like her character. It's, she, that I character like is so funny. Anytime she comes back, I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sarcasm. Cool. <laughs> All right. What? Next up, uh, we're ready to move on. Go, go for it. All right. Next up, a little Johnny Depp news for you uh, Harry Potter fans out there. So Johnny Depp has been asked to resign from the Fantastic Beasts franchise by Warner Brothers, where he was already in the past two movies playing Gellert Grindelwald famous wizard that Albus Dumbledore defeated in like the 40s. So midway through this, the franchise, they're, he's out and they're recasting him. A franchise that's like centered around him. <laughs> I've yeah. never seen those. I've, the first one was really good. I didn't see the second one because I heard it was bad. Um, you'd really you'd like the first one, I think, if you, yeah. especially if you like Harry Potter. I think I saw the second one. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. So, so I was also hearing that he was going to be brought back in the loop for more pirate stuff. Is that like I was hearing that too. It, everything's just 
body with him right now because of this legal stuff and with Amber Heard. Yeah. But like, especially like, it, it's complicated because there's accusations coming from both sides. Yeah, so. it sounds like a mess in general. Very, I mean, very. like, I, I feel like I'm hearing enough where like both sides are like a little nuts. I mean, clearly, um, I mean, I saw this like one post like. Johnny Depp's is like a serious drug addict. <laughs> um, like he's always like high and stuff like that, and yeah. like he's like a heavy drinker. So yeah. And the other thing is Amber Heard. There's like there's this was like last year I think. There's um audio recordings of her fighting with Johnny Depp, and like yeah. admitting basically admitting that she that she physically abused him and stuff. Oh man, and, I, I mean she seems like, a little nuts too. I mean yeah. they, they seem like they're actually perfect for each other. So they should probably just stay with each other. People are saying now, okay, Warner Brothers, why aren't you firing her from Aquaman? Yeah, if you're holding them to the same standards. No, yeah, it's 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 tough, especially it's tough. in this you know climate. You know, with everything, you know, everybody. It's also messy because it's all hearsay, so you don't know. And, and that's the thing too, because like a lot of these companies now, they're putting their foot in their mouth when they like say this stuff too soon, like look at the James Gunn thing, like that mm -hmm. guy like, kind of like reversed and, you know, like blown out of proportion, I guess a little bit. Mm -hmm. And now like, he's like revered again. So yeah, it's yeah. really hard to say with all that stuff. No, it's just kind of a wait and I see. I don't even want to comment. Cause it's just, it, mm -hmm. they're both, I think they're both at fault. Just move on. Oh yeah. They're both, they're both nuts. I, I, I can go off and say that without knowing anything more. <laughs> you should watch the first fantastic beast though. That's good. Yeah. And uh, what's it's, his name? I've been getting around. I, there's a lot of things I'm trying to get around to. I've yeah. fallen off since like 2007 on like movies and stuff like that. I used to, no, that's probably like 2013. <laughs> Outside of like the stuff we go to the movie theater, yeah. <laughs> we would go to the movie theater. Jude Law is playing young Dumbledore in those movies. Yeah, no, I, I know a little bit. Like I've seen bits and pieces yeah. of it. I think my wife has been watching it a few times when it was mm -hmm. on TV. And it's just like, I, it, it doesn't hold like the same interest as like the Harry Potter stuff. Yeah, it's completely another thing. I heard that there's a petition going to have that guy Colin Firth. Farrell, I think he was Colin Firth. He was yeah. originally cast in the role that Johnny Depp took. I don't yeah. know the story behind that, but I think they're trying to bring him back now. Yeah, that's what I heard. Whatever. And he's another guy too who's always in trouble too. So you never know. Like, is he really? People, people love or hate him. Yeah, I mean, for a while, like after SWAT, um, I don't know if you ever seen SWAT. It's a really good movie. But like he became like a huge star, and then like you know those allegations of him being a jerk and terrible. Colin, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Yeah, no, no, yeah, that's who I was talking about. Yeah, Colin Firth. I don't think anyone's ever said that about it. He seems like a pretty decent guy, but yeah, it is what it is. I was like the guy from Mamma Mia. Listen, <laughs> at the end of the day, Johnny Depp will he's he won't do the one movie for Fantastic Beasts. And then they'll go. They'll rehire him for something else, and then it'll all be forgotten. That works. It's, yeah. it's, it's, he's not hurting for money or no. Yeah, it's very cyclical. All this stuff. That's about it for the news, though. I think. Unless anybody has something else. No. That's it for me. It's nice and quick. All right. So you guys ready for this main topic? Yeah. I'm excited about this. Super excited myself, actually. It was kind of like one of those last minute ideas again. Yeah, it was good when you said that. I was like, let's do that. So. We the topic today is kind of collecting a profit. So if you're a collector of anything really, and we're gonna give some general advice before we get into like specific things that you could collect, um, you know, you want you may want a roadmap, and I'm not gonna say we know everything, but you know, we have a good amount of knowledge. We're experts, I, we're not yeah. experts. 
yeah, you know, we're we're not experts, but we're we're close. We're you know we're very well seasoned. You know, and um, we've been around a lot of people. Yeah, Toy Story has been around the block quite a few times. So, I think that joke was in Toy Story. What's that? I think I think that joke was in Toy Story. Oh, is it? <laughs> yep, I was like, I'm just a couple of blocks away. And it's just like toy blocks. Anyway. Um, yeah, so I think the first place to start with something like this is if you're a collector. I mean, most of this stuff, like, if you're not a collector, if you're not interested in collecting, honestly, I wouldn't recommend doing, like, trying to be profitable because you're going to get – out of it what you put into it mm -hmm. and if you love doing it you're going to see that you're super successful and this really goes to anything not just collecting if you love what you do you're going to do it really well and you're going to work really hard at it um so like if you're not interested in stuff there's so many people i see at conventions and stuff like that that like look miserable there and i was like why do this if you don't enjoy it mm -hmm. i think you have to enjoy it to start with absolutely yeah it's and, not the kind of thing you could half-ass either yeah and I think the second part of it is choose something in the hobby that you enjoy, like specifically enjoy. Like, you know, don't say like, all right, I'm going to sell comics because everyone's buying comics. Like, don't do that if you're not into comics or if it's just like, oh, like I love video games, then try and get into the video game market. If you just want to. And again, guys, this is coming at it from trying to make a profit standpoint. If you're just a collector and you want to collect stuff. You know that that you know we'll give some advice for that too but we're trying to give advice to if somebody wants to collect and kind of make a profit mm -hmm. as, as well so i mean again first thing you know really enjoy what you're doing and choose a specific part of it that you want to because to make money it. off of it you got to know it well and in order the best way to get to know it well is to like it because you're not gonna want to study up on something that you know you're not interested in we all know that from school <laughs> yeah 100 percent and to to kind of reiterate what you were saying in, in terms of like working hard and doing it well is it's entirely up to you how much money you're going to make on something like this. Yeah. I mean, like the people who like hustle, grind, dig through boxes, you know, hit up all these different places, like who are out there all day. I mean, you could make a living off of this. But if you're lazy about it, you probably can. It's probably going to be like a side hustle. So mm -hmm. how successful you are is really going to be up to you. Um, and then the next thing is, so like let, let, if there's buzz on something, if you're hearing people are buying something and, you know, everyone's like posting about it on social media. So this is all like our general advice. Mm -hmm. So whatever it is, you've probably missed a window on it picking it up if you don't have it already if you don't have a hot item already unless you, i mean obviously keep a lookout for it if you can get it for like a different decent price or half of what it's going for but chances are the percentage of you getting that is way low it's so much like the stock market it's unbelievable it, it really <laughs> is it's anything that you know people want mm -hmm. really it's it's a commodity if mm -hmm. you think about it <laughs> totally um and what I think this is probably the most important thing, and at least for me, is you have to become an expert in your mm -hmm. hobby. Whatever you choose, you have to research, research, research. Mm -hmm. You have, I mean, I can't tell you within the first couple of years how much like time I put into comics. And like I'm not just talking about researching, you know, on the computer, because that's good. You know, you want to look talk at books, talk to people, people like people who have the experience our wells of knowledge. I mean, between, you know, our buddy Bojo, who used to be on the show, Zach, 
our friend Alan, who's been on the show. I Mike. mean, you know, Mike from Royal, um, Mike from Roy, uh, um, Mike Caro, <laughs> who's yeah. been on the show. I mean, there's so many people who have been on the show. I mean, even, you know, Steve Borak from CBCS, he's like, well, like, you know, make friends with the good people in the industry that you're interested in because like they're going to teach you're going to learn along the way and you know like with us to meet you know work with good people mm -hmm. you know work with good people people you trust and you know people will look out for you like hey you know i'm looking for this if, if you see it you know help me out like it that that's that'll that go happens away. every day and ask questions. I mean, if you don't understand something, I mean, hundred percent. That's ask a questions. I learned. I learned like probably eighty percent of what I know the first four years collecting from working at the comic store and, and just being around those people yeah. between customers and between like employees like Zach and Alan that know you know everything. Yeah, just valuable. You know, working there four days a week for four years, you amass so much information that you don't know what to do with either. <laughs> Sometimes, but then. Six years later, when this book pops up, and you're like, "Oh, I remember that," you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's true, and you don't uh, have to work at a shop. I mean, just networking, going to different yeah, shops. You don't have oh, to. Yeah, and going no, to I mean, that's yeah, that's one I mean, way to do it. But and, and conventions are huge. I mean, because you get you've got so many different vendors and people in in a small area, and it goes back to just asking questions when you're moving on to different, you know, vendors. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really, I think, coming down to what JJ is saying, is be part of your community that you're interested in. Yep. Because it's Make just, friends. you know, you're going to learn stuff from everyone. And listen, in every community, in every hobby, there's going to be good and bad people. You know, and you should be able to figure, you know, which is which on your own. Oh, yeah. Um, but when it comes down, so the, the next piece I wanted to talk about is when it comes down to, like, actually, you know, buying, selling I think what you really want to do is you want to practice negotiating. Now, this is going to be tough because some people are more comfortable talking, more comfortable with, you know, it's not conflict so much, but like not confrontation either, but like it's, it's a tough thing to do and it might not come naturally to everyone. Mm -hmm. So maybe practice, like maybe practice with like a friend, mm -hmm. um, you know, like watch other people do it maybe like, you know, before you jump in, like see how other people kind of like haggle really, yeah. you know, and most important with that, you want to come in when you're either if you're buying or selling, you know, leave room for negotiation, but set your budget. Like mm -hmm. say this is the, the most I'm willing to pay for something. Have that set in your mind or this is the least I'm willing to take for an item I'm selling. Mm -hmm. And then, you know what, come, you know, come down at a, a little less or a little more depending on if you're buying or selling at a reasonable um you know, at a reasonable offer, yeah. you know, leave room for negotiation. And don't be afraid to, don't feel like you're offending the, because I feel like, especially working in the store, I feel like a lot of people are afraid they're going to like offend you by trying to make an offer. These yeah. like dealers, they expect that. And it's probably very few transactions, especially on big books are for whatever the retail price is, you know? And, and listen, I think, like it's a expected. lot of people who sell bake that into their price too. Yeah, it's just like almost every price. It's like, listen, this is my ideal number, and then, but it's open to negotiation. Like there's some cases where something's so hot, at your ideal number might even be low, and it's just like I'll take it for that price. And that's and that's where research comes into play. I mean, there's yeah. so many different uh, avenues of research. I mean, you've got you know eBay itself going there to, you know, there's apps now you can go to and look up what a price or what it should be. Uh, people pay, paying for it. Yeah. So, that, I mean, doing the research before you're actually making an offer or or selling a product is a huge, 
You should be number one on the list. That's why, especially if you're shopping at a show and you see something you like, don't just immediately when you're there try and start. Like, especially if you don't know what that book should be priced at, what that book has been priced at in the past. You know, that book will probably be there. So go do take your time, do your research on it, talk to people, get opinions. And it'll be there probably the same book. Probably, know, yeah. 20, 30 different vendors yeah. have oh, the oh, same oh, book. So you're yeah, able to yeah. go around to different vendors and hopefully do that haggling. Again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, it's much easier to argue to haggle on uh, Instagram, too, because you're not face to face. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's, it's doable. Yeah. <laughs> but but kind of what you guys are saying, too, is a lot of like, each individual hobby has like a lot of like guides and like price, you know, price points for like stuff like that. Like eBay is one source that, you know, everybody can use for everything, but like even like specific, you know, genres, like for us comic books specifically, there's so many sources for like pricing and data that's like really accumulated that is really useful. So kind of like find those like for whatever it is that you're into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think this is, probably the best piece of advice i didn't follow this advice when i when i started is start small like you know i depending on what you're getting into try pace yourself when you're getting into it that goes back to what i was saying about in in the collecting episode you don't need all of that right now (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's true because you're going to get in over your head and like again if you're just collecting it's one thing you can buy a lot because it's for you but if you kind of linked to this is if you're a collector but you also want to sell is you know let your collection fund your collection and you can listen to videos of all different people i mean there's other videos of people doing like this kind of conversation that we're having i think almost every single one of them agree with us on this point is you know build up what you want to collect personally and your personal you know within the stuff that you're not looking to sell but use the other stuff that you're also kind of interested in but it's less important to like build up, you know, even bigger and higher value of your PC. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. So I think that's (laughs) kind of like the broad general across all collecting. I think these kind of like, you know, I don't know, rules, mandates, whatever you want to call them. I think they're good to follow for whatever it is that you want to get into. Um, Next, since, I mean, for me, I can speak to this the most because um it's really the thing that i do the most i mean all of us really can but the other topics i don't i think you guys will be able to add more to um is co- so comics specifically so i think for the first point and i know you guys will agree with this is learn how to determine the condition of comic books raw comic mm-hmm. books um it's there's books out there there's people out there who can teach you i mean alan taught us so much in terms of that um other you know other people have taught us but like reading the books what is it the what's the book that the Overstreet, um, Overstreet. Got great that's a great that's a great resource guys especially i use it all time. yeah i mean i feel like just recently do you, do you have do you have my copy of that or do i, I have do my still, copy i do still have it there you go <laughs> we should show that yeah uh, oh you want to show okay. no, no. <laughs> no that is a great resource i got that book for free uh it has with, a million examples of every grade so like right. i'll compare a lot of the time and help use it to help me narrow down it's so helpful it's unbelievable he actually, he actually left to go get that that's what's funny about this thing i <laughs> i got him out of his chair to go get that What's that? I said, I got you out of your chair to go get that. Yeah, there it is right there. There it is. I mean, that is a That's great book right there. It's a Bible, and 
Um, I got that free from uh, from Heritage Auctions when I bought a couple books from them. They That's sent cool. that to me for free. Um, and it's a great book. Um, I would highly recommend any collector to pick that up. That was probably the best deal you've ever got from Heritage. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's really important, guys, because I think, and we'll kind of reiterate this point later, in terms of specifically making a profit for, on comics, raw comics is where you're going to see the most return on investment, I think. Mm. Uh, I mean, again, like graded, there is room. But I think you have to hit a graded book and you want to get a very high grade on a graded book at the right time. Otherwise, you're looking for a personal collection for graded yeah. books. I mean, there's books that I buy from my personal collection just because I like them. And then a year later, I'll check and it's went up 60%. And I'm right, like, all right, yeah. is there something else more? I might be willing to part with and that, And that happens a lot too. Excuse me, sorry. Like it's totally fine to buy books that you're not 100% attached to. And what you're super attached to is going to change year over year, I'm sure. Like, right. hey, you know, I love this. I wanted to collect this whole thing. And now I've had it for a year or two years or three years. And it's just like, all right, I'm ready to move on. I can, like, double or triple my money at this point on it and get into something else. Especially when you have 20,000, 30,000 comic books sitting in boxes. I mean, really, are you ever going to look at those again? You know? I, I've got a deal in the work for about uh, 7,000 of them right now. <laughs> Um, yeah, and also, and also, like, I think I, I don't know if you wrote this down, but like, the quantity that you collect is is important too. Like, do you want to be someone who buys a ton of stuff or just has like a few, you know, very high end books? Yeah, and you can you can make that determination. I mean, right now I'm in a place where I just collect a lot and probably too much of everything. Um. And I'm trying to whittle it down. And listen, you need right in the beginning. I wanted to just read everything, so I have a lot of modern books now. You know, I have weeklies all the time, and I tapped off that. Yeah, now I'm the same thing. I want to focus on you know the higher end, um, you know, Silver Age and um, Bronze Age stuff. So you know, it, but again, like like what kind of that stuff do you buy? You know, I think the best. Do you people do runs? Do you only do keys? Do you you know? I mean, for someone who's looking to make a profit on this stuff, I think anything that hasn't blown up that's a first appearance is something that's worth picking up, especially mm -hmm. if you can pick it up at a great price because you never know, like every first appearance has the potential to, to be become a key. Like you never know, like some, and it could be the craziest characters. I mean, just think of like um, Kamala Khan, like her book like blew up, Spider-Gwen. You know, she was an alternate version. These are just modern books. Yeah, an yeah. alternate version of a character that died, and it's just she's exploded. I mean, you know, it, it happens with the older characters too. Um, if they get announced for some type of movie, you know, there it goes. I mean, mm -hmm. like, who's the? I, I can't think of like who's the most. Re I mean, I guess for us personally, um, Toy Story. I mean, the Vulture was always like kind of a pricey book, but. You throw Michael Keaton, former Batman actor, at at a like a second-rate villain, yeah. and the book skyrockets in value. Yeah. Um, and it hasn't really—it's come down a little, but it's still expensive as hell. <laughs> yeah, because he's still sticking around. So you yeah. know, you never really know. And I mean, on that point too, 
and I know this um, frustrates you to some degree, Toy Story. Um, you got to stay in tune with what's going on with like movie and TV yeah. uh, casting news because, especially in the comic book industry, it has such an impact. I guess it frustrates me. It doesn't necessarily frustrate me that's the case because believe me, I benefited from it. You know? Yeah. It more frustrates me that like, no matter what it is now, it's like an unwritten yeah. law that if that character is announced for any media, the book yeah. immediately is whatever it is. No, it's true. And it's, I, I mean, I think it frustrates everyone to some degree. And especially if it's the, the times where it really frustrates me, if it's something I was interested in, again, like the Vulture book, we'll go, we'll go back to the same examples. Like that's a book I needed for my personal yeah. collection. And it's just like, oh, it's a book. Like I probably could have got like a high grade for like, maybe like, seven hundred dollars or whatever it is you know uh, uh, like seven years ago i was like oh, i'll get it eventually i'll get it eventually as like who like how could vulture possibly shoot up in value yeah we all thought that it was michael keaton is the answer <laughs> <laughs> um but it's, yeah that's a problem especially if you're doing runs and stuff yeah because you know? a lot of the times you leave the big keys to the end yeah 100 percent um so that's one way that i've noticed so the way that and I like that I'm seeing more and more of this now is that if a new writer, like people who are really popular writers and artists, and those are people, especially once you get into this, you want to familiarize yourself with too, because there's so many of them. And it's hard, even at this point, there's probably so many people I still don't know who they are. Um, but try to stay on top of who like the really popular writers, really popular artists are, because they jumping onto a book or, you know, taking on a character that they've never done before can really like, you know, expand the character's popularity. I mean, just look at what those guys, Donnie Keats and everyone's been doing with uh, the Venom character and the Venom storyline, you know, they've taken that over and they've like, it, Venom's always been popular, but he's like the value of like a modern run right now, like half those books are like fifty or to a hundred dollar books in like that run. It's crazy. I mean, another example of that is like Immortal Hulk. Immortal Hulk's another current run of books who has like a hot um, writer on it. I think it was Al Ewing is the is the name, and it's just another book that's really picked up steam, and a lot of the modern copies are are valuable. I do like seeing that. You're right about the writers. Yeah, the same thing with the artists too. I mean, you got Archer who you know he's got all these covers out, and they're I mean, some of them are. Was that new one? Peach Momoko. Yeah, those covers are awesome. Peach Momoko. It's crazy, and that's something I'll, I want to end on, like the variants before we okay. move on oh, to like we'll um, different parts. But um, and again, like you, you know, we we touched upon how like the raw the raw books are really where you want to make your profit margin. But like, how, like where do you want to get them? Yeah, and I mean, I think you got to dig through boxes at comic shops you got to go to flea markets you got to go to antique stores and again i know like this is in the covid world mm -hmm. where not all this is reasonable but i mean you know when things start to come back to some sense of normalcy you know garage sales you know looking you know searching the internet or like even the the ads for people who are like looking to sell collections i mean there's Again, it's a hustle. It's a grind. If you want want to get these books, you really have to be willing to put the time in. I mean, the best books I've had is when I've gone to some shop and I've just spent like three hours there digging through boxes. And it's exhausting and it's a pain in the butt. But I mean, that's when you're really going to find your value. You got to be willing to put the time in.
Yeah, because you never know what you're going to find in those bins. And that's how these people, like you were saying earlier, who put the time and the effort and the blood, sweat, and tears into it, yeah. they, make, they make it. They do. Yep. All right. So the last point I want to hark on is, in this comic book specifically, are the comic book variants. Oof. Now, this is a – what's the best way to describe it? It could be feast or famine, I, would, I guess I would say, with um, when it comes to variants. So I think it's oversaturated. I think we all agree that. I think everybody agrees it's oversaturated. Yeah. I'm going to preface it with I recognize the importance and that effort, that they're valuable. I just hate that they're valuable for the reasons that they are. <laughs> I mean, a great example is I think it's a very early um, – our friends at Elite Comics, they posted a book today. It's an amazing Spider-Man uh, variant. I think it's 668, issue 668 or something like that, but it's a very early Del Auto variant. Very, um, very rare. And they have it. It's a 98. I've never seen a 98 come up before today. $21,000. What? For this variant. It's very rare. Oh, I think it's popular. Wow. Yeah. It's, if you have that raw that book is minimum in beat up copy which book is this book. it's, it's a del auto variant from, yeah did i have the number on it 667 yeah from 2011 del yeah it was and so the whole reason is because issue 666 had about 100 to 150 variants and so people had variant fatigue and nobody bought the variant to 666 uh, that's that's actually cool though yeah. That's not manufactured scarcity, which is the yeah. usual reason to hate them. <laughs> yeah. um, but again, like you never know in a book like that. I mean, just think of the variant um, for the Miles Morales book, The Ultimate uh, Fallout. That's another book where if you picked it up, you know, you hit a home run with it because that's a few thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. When it comes to variants, I would say just tread carefully. You know, some of these artists become huge. Like, you know, JJ brought up Art Germ. Some of his early books are still worth a lot, but now you see if you go walk into a comic shop on a week, he has 10 variants out. You know, I was really into Del Otto. You know, we mentioned him on the Spider Man book. He's probably got 10 variants out. I was a really big fan of Francesco Matina. He's another guy who got 10 variants out. Um, Peach Momoku, you know, I'm seeing the, is that a female or I'm sorry, I don't know if it's a female, I think, or a female I think artist. Female. You know, you might see five of uh, variants from from her right now but you know that might come up more and, and, and the problem with that is yeah you see them in the stores but then there's probably another 20 or 30 from shops people like you know scorpion comics may have their own to um all these other shops that have their own variants of the same book so yeah storage which, it's another which you're not even seeing yeah. you know so it, it it gets overwhelming a lot uh, on that that's something where I'm going to say my best piece of advice is pick it up if you like it. Like with the variants, I wouldn't – it's too much of a gamble to try and pick those up for profit because, I mean, I've gotten burned. Like out of all the variants I've had, I've definitely spent more money on variants than I've gained back in terms of profit. Agreed. So – yeah. Um, that's kind of the comp specific. If there's more stuff people are interested in, definitely reach, especially this episode more than any others, guys. You know, send us an email, um, send us something on social media. If there's something we missed or something you wanted to talk about, specifically comics, at least for this section, um, definitely let us know. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, do you want to move well, in? Let, let me ask you something. What are, you, yeah. what are your thoughts on graded like signatures? It or depends. Getting, or getting a book signed by somebody in the grading. Those are hard. I don't. I don't. They definitely increase the value somewhat. I don't know that that's like as has that same potential for growth that the book itself has. You know? It depends who it is. It yeah. depends the book. Like if you're gonna have like a new issue of something Batman done by you know, and it's not a first appearance. It's just like maybe a like a number one of a random series, and you're gonna go up to like Scott Snyder. And um, who's his uh, Greg Capullo and have them sign it. You get a nine eight. Let's say like the book winds up selling for like hundred and fifty dollars, maybe. How much time did you put into uh, waiting there for that autograph? How much did it cost you to grade it? Probably cost you about fifty bucks. And then on top of that, like how long does it take you to sell it? Like if you actually get that hundred and fifty, you're probably more likely going to walk away with one twenty. And then what do you make on that book? Sixty bucks. When you could have just taken that money, putting it into something else at a lower profit margin, and potentially making like a bigger sale. But you know, it's again, if you're interested in doing that, then do it. But just be smart about what you're buying and selling. Like know the market for it. If like people are buying at a certain price, make sure you can get that book for enough price where you can make at least double your money. If you're not at least doubling your money on something or like uh, I'm talking like on the lower end. Like if you buy like a book for $5, if you can't get if you get $10 out of it, you're probably better off holding on to it. But if you're getting like 20 for it, like that's better. But I mean, you buy a $1000 book, you get 1500 out of it, that's still okay. Like I think that's a good score. It's really like I would focus more on the the percentage that you're making on it percentage yeah and like the number so mm -hmm. i mean that's at least my two cents people could feel differently you know listen this isn't an exact science like i said enjoy what you're doing you know make a profit while you're doing it and let it fund the rest of your collection i mean that's what i do and that's what i've been trying to focus on doing more now is because i don't i'm not looking to get rid of all this stuff like i want to eventually buy more i just want to make sure it's more qual quality stuff than quantity yep Good um, Good very nice so toy story do you want to kind of move us into the video game world because you have a better um, i do so i don't my main thing is still comics and i don't have a ton of Retro stuff. Retro. I have a lot of retro video games, but it's not like my main thing that I collect. But I do follow a lot. Of it. Real quick. What's that? Like the most I've talked like nonstop. Yeah, that was good. That was a really long time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I can't breathe right now. <laughs> Drink some of your tea. Or water. Yeah, I finished it. <laughs> yeah. So the video games is a whole nother thing, and they've blown up in the last couple of years, like ridiculously. The any of the retro stuff from the 80s, 90s, even the early 2000s, the disc-based systems. It's crazy how much it's blown up. This has really shocked me too. Like I'm, I'm blown away by, yeah. and and I've said this on multiple episodes, and you know, to other people, mm -hmm. how many of these games exist still in their packaging? Yeah. So that's like, the thing. Like the, the the grading thing for games is because video games you could grade. They're interesting because you had you could have just the regular cartridges, or it could be you know perfectly sealed in its original packaging. There's like a million ways that you could collect these things. You know, you don't you don't really have that with comics because the comics was put on the shelf, you know, that exact way, and that just that just deteriorates from there. But video games, it's it's so different. They've been used and abused in the in the um, in the systems, and or it could like you know, 
from the 80s. You could have a game that's 35 years old and in the original packaging, and it's perfect, like it's off the shelf, you know? And that's another thing where, like, I feel like those, there's probably tons of those sitting at, like, a thrift store or, like, you know. In the basement of some old store. Like, those are places where you can really score with stuff like that. Because, like, somebody probably just never even opened a game. Like, they have, like, a whole trunk full of something where, like, and, like, that's a place where they might not know the value of that stuff right Mm -hmm. now. That's it. And I would say if you wanted to get into something new, I would almost recommend that more than getting into comics right now because it's such a hot market. It's very but, new compared to comic books, too. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. 100% agree. Yeah, so what's interesting, what I find interesting, and I could be completely wrong about this, but this is just what I've noticed from my, um, from watching everything and following prices and collections. There's no real rhyme or reason to price increases the same way there is with comics. Like, comics become hot because of some artist, because of some movie that's getting announced, you know? Um, video games, the price, the price hikes, I really haven't noticed rhyme or reason to it. Like I'll give you an example. So the GameCube from the early two thousands has always been, it's always been kind of popular, but it's always been the least popular Nintendo system. Um, there, so those games have always been really easy to get. And I don't know if you guys have heard of paper Mario. Yeah. Yeah. So the GameCube one, it's called paper Mario and the thousand year door. Um, I had my copy from when I was a kid. I looked it up like two years ago, I think. It was like 30 bucks or something. And I started seeing on Twitter and Instagram or whatever that people, that GameCube games are really hot right now for whatever reason. And I looked it up and that game was selling for like $130 <laughs> in like the crappiest condition. And there's no, you know, new game that people are getting hyped about. There's no Paper Mario appearing in a movie, you know? So let me ask you a question. Is that something where it's the seller really trying to negotiate what people are willing to sell. It's totally possible. Yeah. Is there a rarity on it? Is there less of those games than there are like some of the others? Not necessarily. I mean, you go on, you go on eBay, there's a million for sale at any given time. You know, it's that kind of thing. Um, certain games, like there's an NES game called little, little Samson. It's one of the, I think it's if one of, if not the most expensive games on the NES, it's like $1,800 for a loose cartridge. Um, something like that is actually scarce. Like, Isn't that like Olympics game, like one of the most expensive games? That's the, that's <laughs> the one. So Lil Sampson was one you could buy in the store. Okay. But the um, Nintendo's, Nintendo, uh, Nintendo World Championships. That's right. Yeah, the one we saw in high school. Yeah, that cartridge. No, no, no. There's a, there's a different game. So there was a game where you had to use like – Yeah, you had to use this pad thing to play it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another game. Where it's like super, I don't know. It's probably not expensive as expensive as the World Championship one. But yeah. for a while, I remember before this blew up, I remember always seeing that as like the number one like valued game out there. A lot of the stuff that's valuable in video games is the stuff that no one bought, mm-hmm. you know, and is the I stuff that, like there's, that. yeah, there's a Japanese system called the Wonder Swan, which is like a little Game Boy. Um, never came to America because it just wasn't as popular, like as like popular enough in Japan to bring it over. But that thing's scarce as hell, and then that stuff's hard to find. So for that, it's really all about the scarcity and how little there are out there, you know. So how do you really see like a person making a profit? Like, what's the best bet? Like, what's the path to go here? In buying profit, I think personally, just from what I've seen, is buying bulk as much as you can, and, and look for is, there a, is there a market for? 
these games out of the car out of the packaging like just oh yeah oh yeah yeah i mean that's the biggest market share i think out of out of packaging because people want to buy them and actually play them now well again too because like unlike comics like you could have read a comic kept it in great condition while you were reading it put it back you know close it back up put it in like a bag or board even like i don't know how when that you know started but you know you could do that like with a video game once it's open yeah. it's open <laughs> it said it goes back on yourself yeah, yeah i mean maybe you still have the box and you keep it in the box You're like all my games like i always had the box Especially, but when they came in the cartridges when they came in those cardboard boxes a lot of people didn't keep those you know right. those yeah. went in the garbage on christmas morning when you opened the game i, I kept the cardboard you box. did that's yeah. good <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i think profit wise um it's hard buying individual stuff to make profit especially if you're buying them from stores retro mm-hmm. video game stores um because they don't fluctuate as much as something like comic books um yeah all video games have gone up in price since corona started that's just because people all collectibles have really gone up since then yeah. um but individual wise i would say the best way is to buy bulk as much as you can buy a you know if you see a bin of video games at a garage sale make a deal you never and, know there might be a little samson in there and this is something where i would actually not recommend especially unless you're buying it for your collection buying it from like a shop that like specializes in like nope. video games, stuff like that mm-hmm. because you're not going to find any value there yeah it's you're paying you're gonna you're gonna pay top dollar if not more definitely. exactly definitely interesting stuff yeah what's really interesting and something that um you have to watch out for a lot more with video games is i don't think really pe- people ever talk about faking comic books you know not no not really but now that i think about it is weird like i feel like that would be so that would be a thing but I, th- I think you would be able to tell the difference yeah with video so with especially with the cartridge based games there's so many fakes out there people there's they're called reproductions and people spend so much time trying to make them as believable as possible so a lot of them are really convincing. You can usually tell because, like, on the Game Boy and the NES cartridges on the back, there's, like, that stamped Nintendo logo. And a lot of them don't bother to put that on there. So mm-hmm. the cartridges will look exactly the same otherwise except for that. Um, you can usually tell from the label if the label's not glossy, if the label looks blurry, you know. Um, but that's something you got to watch out for because you could have a game like Chrono Trigger, right? That's super hard to find. That's 100 bucks, and the reproduction's worth you know, three dollars, <laughs> and check and check the screws on them. Screws. That's, that's another thing. If it's a really expensive game, open it up. Have a little nifty screwdriver or whatever that hex screw yep. is called. Open it up. You can tell almost immediately if the board is a reproduction or not. Change the boards out. Wow. Yeah. Yep. It's crazy. Stuff. Yeah, that stuff is faked so much. Yep. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, thanks for giving us a little tips on the video game side. <laughs> so myself, uh, I'll, I'll chime in here. So not only am I, you know, a big. Comic I was hoping fan. you would. All right. <laughs> yeah, I also dabble in the comic books side of it, but I also um, I uh, collect the cards. So like non-sports cards. I'm a big non-sports card collector. It's um, funny. I have a lot of sports cards, but I'm uh, I'm not into. I, I should probably track the pricing down and so. you know and i'm a, and i i used to be a big sports cards collector i mean i've probably got forty thousand sports cards that i've collected since i was a kid i still have you know um michael jordan rookie cards i have you know i have all those you sure um, you jordan rookie cards? i do yeah uh, I, I want this <laughs> uh, and all the big all the big names you know i do have a Derek jeter rookie card i have all these cards um but 
you know, the last few years, I'm a big fan of the non-sports cards. And what got me into that was, you know, the Star Wars uh, when they got re when when they got released again with all the movies. You know, they came out these, you know, the cards. Um, so you got got into big the Star Wars, but not only Star Wars, but there's all these. Whenever there's a new movie or a new TV show, you know, there's cards for it. Companies like Upper Deck. Which I never realized until I met you and saw you picking them up at shows. Yeah, I, was like, I never knew that. There's James Bond cards. What, yeah. what is that? Even? You, you know? know, and I collect the cards for the autographs because yeah. usually when you buy them by the box, um, you can really get, you know, one to two um, autographs in these boxes. And usually that's what I'm on the hunt for. Um, so there is there's a huge difference in the autographs. And it's really, it depends upon who you're getting them from. Um, so the big three, you know, you've got people like Tops, which is, you know, everybody should know who Tops is. Um, you've got um, Upper Deck, another well-known company. Uh, there's another one called, I think, Ritter House, which they do a lot of uh, TV shows uh, like Supergirl and um, all, the, all these other shows, uh, Game of Thrones. Um, but, you know, what to look out for on these cards. So in, usually in a box of these cards, you get your common cards, you get your autograph cards, you get, um, you know, plate cards. So the actual plates that they use to print these cards, sometimes you'll get those and each, you know, there's three colors. So there's, a you know, blue, yellow, and red. Sometimes, you know, you, you can find these plate cards, the red one, the blue ones, or the yellow ones that make these cards. Well, and then now recently you'll see, um, you know, the artists. So you'll have... Big artists usually make a sketch cards and throw these things in there. So it all depends on what you're, you know, what you want to collect. Like I said, I collect, you know, I like collecting the uh, the autograph cards. Um, what is that? That's a daredevil. Yep, that's why I'm putting crease. But yeah. you got that, you got that from him though. Yeah, this right? is artist proof. Yeah, I wouldn't buy a pack of cards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice. Um, Do you buy Pokemon cards for your kids? I do buy Pokemon cards. That's something kids. I wanted to talk about too. I, I was hoping that was going to come into this and as that, well. Right, that is too. Yeah, right. Um, but let me yeah. just finish. So let me just yeah, finish on this. So, autograph cards. What I usually, what I'm usually out for, and you know, sometimes they're hit or miss. Sometimes you'll get a really nice, great, you know, character. You know, you can get pull yourself hopefully a, a Harrison Ford or any of these big name people. Um, Make some money with that if you really want. You, you to. could, and you know, and not, not just him. Like I've got a really beautiful dual autograph of uh, Charlie Cox and uh, the guy that plays Punisher, um, John Berthenau. John Berthenau. So I got a beautiful dual autograph. That I I just can't get rid of. I, I want to keep that card. Um, what I usually try to look for is cards that are signed that are actually signed. Um, Tops has a habit of. You know they'll give uh, they they put stickers on their cards, which kind of I hate them. I hate the stickers because they, they send them like a sheet and they sign all the stickers and, yeah. they, and then they just the put card. them on there. And usually, you know, I've seen these things. People, I've seen pictures of you know autographs missing from half. You know the little sticker. Yeah. Um, there's a big controversy going on now that I've started seeing on Facebook about um, you know Tops does this. Um, this uh, this box, it's a huge box. They're the uh, stellar cards that they do, Star Wars stellar cards. And you get 144 autograph cards in this box. It's about $8,000. Oh, my God. And basically, you get everybody in Star Wars. But the problem is more than half of them, they're stickers. Um, this newest 2020 that just got released, 
Uh, there's a lot of Kenny Baker cards in them. Now, if you think about when Kenny Baker died about three, four years ago, you know, they're still, they're still pumping out cards with his name on them. And you got to wonder how many, how many sheets did he actually sign? And, you know, some people are saying that, you know, a lot of these might be fake, you know, um, there's been, you can go on some Facebook groups and look at the comparison. Um, I just recently pulled the Kenny Baker card a couple months ago and I've had to look at it again and, you know, compare it to another Kenny Baker that I had that I know what that he signed. It does look a little different. Um, towards the end of his life, his signature was getting pretty worse and the, the, the his autograph on these silly cards are amazing. Like they look like he's never had an issue or anything else like that. So, I mean, you gotta be careful who you're, you know, who you're getting and looking at. So do you see like a, a value as like um, a profitability value on those? It like, depends on who it is. Um, like these Kenny Bakers, they're worth nothing. They're, I can buy them right now for 20 bucks, especially these stellar cards where the box costs $8,000. Yeah. You're not making your money up back on that. So where um, would you recommend like if somebody was interested in like getting these and like kind of like flipping them almost? So, like, I mean, I, I would imagine get, get a show that's hot right now. So get a movie that's hot, a TV show that's hot, you know, back in the day, you know, um, Right now, uh, the Avengers. So Avenger, the, the the box of Avenger cards. If you can get yourself like a um, uh, Chris Evans card, those things are worth a couple hundred dollars. Uh, the guy that plays, you know, obviously right now the guy that plays um, uh, Black Panther. I mean, his card is worth a lot. Harrison Ford, a couple thousand dollars. So um, I guess it's kind of know the market of like the cards that people want and kind of go after the boxes where those are potential. Yeah. Right? I mean, obviously you're going to get some hits that you're not going to like, like they're worthless. Is uh, there, so basically the, are the other cards the non-signature cards? Like, is there value there? Not much. So it depends if it's, if it's a one of one card. So usually these boxes have one of one. So there's only one of these cards in existence. Mm -hmm. Those probably hold more value than, than, than the rest. And like, most shops you're gonna get like full retail to buy one of these boxes, right? Are there yeah. places where like you could find them maybe it's a low retail so or usually the so after the market has died with those boxes, so there's other retail uh, online people. Uh, I think there's like a steelcity.com. Okay. You can you can pretty much get some good deals out of them. Um usually maybe 20, 30 bucks lower than than retail on them. Uh, it all depends upon you know what's left over. Um, yeah. that, that's been sold. Um, I'm looking at this uh, stellar box. This is insane. It's a great box. I would love it. So the newer box, which is cool about it, so you get 144 autograph cards, and then that's layer one. And then when you the top layer, you get one. I think it's a five by seven. Usually it's a triple autograph, and then you get one huge five by seven sketch, which are beautiful, and then you get three. Um, double autographs so not only do you get the single 144 uh single autographs you get you know a one triple three doubles and a beautiful sketch by a random artist yeah. which are beautiful jim can um, i share this with my screen go for it oh, oh, yeah. sure we can we can show that so there it is what is that seven thousand so this is pounds i converted oh, it it's like ten thousand dollars yeah. <laughs> you can get this right now for about a little under eight thousand because they've been out so yeah. if you can i know that there's a few online retailers so you can 36 cards from the main autograph set which is down here yep so you get all these people so harrison ford's on it hayden christensen 
It's and those are the guaranteed ones. Yep, you get all these. So, wow. but what's get, but what's not guaranteed is what number you get. So you can get. So there's only going to be one. You know, uh, like you see there, uh, a galactic black one of one. So the card is black, um, and as usual, you'll have a random. So it's not an autograph. It's just a different card. It's a different card, which means there's only one of those. They've already pulled the galactic black Harrison Ford one of one. I don't know what it sold. I watched the guy on Facebook Live pull that card. Wow. <laughs> Everybody went nuts. Like, it was unbelievable. Wow. Excuse me. Um, That's really cool, though. <laughs> is it actually worth it? Are they making their money back on that? I'm not exactly sure. I don't, I don't, I don't guess I don't know, because this is like, this isn't chance. It's guaranteed that you get every autograph. Yeah, it's hard. So, so that box price is going to be, you know, set it all already. Yeah. So, uh, so let's talk about those Pokemon cards now. Pokemon cards. Still going on, going strong after, what, 20, 25 this years? This is my childhood it's, here. It's great. Yeah, I was going to say, Matt, do you have any of these from when you were I here? never did the cards. I played the games. But my friends, a lot of my friends did the cards, though. Yeah. Um, but all the first edition cards are so much money. And what's even cooler, what's really interesting, is the um, sealed packs from the first run. So, like, what they'll do is first people of all, weigh packs, them, right? Probably hundreds of dollars. Yes, mm -hmm. they'll weigh them to see if there's like one of the special cards in there because it's slightly different, yeah. which is insane. You know, really? my seven-year-old knows that, and what's funny is he'll go into a store like Target and like, pick up a pack, and he'll go like this with two packs, going, "No, nope, pick up another one. No, nope. oh, I want this one." And I'm like, "What? It's the oddest thing." And I didn't know that until I I asked him. I was like, "How the hell did you learn this?" And he watches people. This is what they do? <laughs> yeah. Who knew? I had no idea that. I mean, I feel like that's another market that's like taking off again. So it was huge when it came out, and I don't know. So this Charizard card, it's a big card, right? What's that mm -hmm. going for, right? Thousands, thousands. So of when it came out, it was it, like a thousand dollar card. Yeah. yeah. And I have a family member, so he's like a cut a cousin of mine, had that card from the original pack. I think I like I've been trying to ask his dad. I was like, "Do you know what's going on with that? Does he still?" Have it? He's like, "I have no idea." I was yeah. like, "I need to talk to him because <laughs> it's so it's crazy." You know, those are worth money, but you know, to even make more money off of them, you got to get them graded, graded and that's right. like with any card, you're gonna make so much more money when they're graded. Yeah, uh, same thing with the comic, honestly. Right, right, and it's you know same thing with the autograph as long as they're authenticated, but you know. A Charizard card that's graded out of ten, which is pristine, or even a nine-five. I mean, you're going to get anywhere from you know sixty to I think one sold for three hundred, three hundred fifty-five thousand dollars. And it's disgusting that that's how they're going for. But it's that's crazy, crazy because they're they're um, monitoring of it too, like that, like the the specifications. Like people look at it and centering's important like there's a lot i watched like one video and i don't even know how i got on this video but like i was interested in it to see like what they were looking for on the car like all oh, this has good centering this has good gloss like there's something off here it was like it's like speaking a whole different language and you know this is coming from someone who like i understand what like the comic book terminology is it's just and i think <laughs> it's more it's more um it matters more with the centering and everything else on a pokemon card than it does a normal card yeah, that was another thing. My seven-year-old even knows. Like he picked up a card. He's like, "Oh, it's not centered." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> I've been collecting cards my entire life, and I've never, no. you know, I've I've had cards where they've been cut, you yeah, know, like half the face, and those are worth. And we call them error cards. Yeah, you know, 
they don't call an off-centered, you know, Pokemon card an error card because it's not. I mean, it's not yet. Hard. Just wait till the market fires up on that. But it's it is it's absolutely and it it matters huge on a grading standard if the card is not centered and it could be. I mean, it's with a naked eye you can't tell, mm. but yet it will ding it a point five. On a on a on a grade, if it's off just a hair, and I think I mean you're like really proving the point right here, where how important research is. Like especially if this is the market you want to get into, you know, put the time into like really learning all this stuff before you get into it. And like in terms of like finding this stuff at like value, like where do you find these? Is it the same thing where like, you know, like where are they? Like these really valuable boxes or packs or cards. It's, it's random. I mean, like my son pulled um, a newer Charizard black card that, you know, he it sold, one sold for $10,000. And when he pulled that card, I've never seen a boy so excited because he knew how much it was worth from the YouTube he was seeing. And, you know, this card that's graded at a 10 pristine, you know, it sold for over 10 grand. And, you know, we've got one in the safe here. You know, I don't know if it's a ten. You know, because eventually I'll get it graded. But it's 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 How's a great. It, what's that? I How's it looks to me it looks, to me it looks great. You know, what, what did Jack say though? <laughs> it looks great. Um, but you know, it's it's so random. You know, it all depends upon what box you. I mean, you can buy these things, and, and we bought ours from Target. So walking into a Target and pulling a ten thousand dollar card. So the new stuff is worth money too. It's not just that first series. No, it's the new stuff. It all it, it's this is a brand new uh, I don't know, hidden fates I think it's the the the, the line is I, I don't know anything about this game we don't even play the game we just collect the cards mm -hmm. interesting all right so before we jump into um, our awesome '80s re movie review segment do you just want to touch real quickly on the vinyl industry a little bit different Ooh. from anything else uh, there yeah if anybody can see let me back up here real quick so mm -hmm. I know during COVID. You know, the card market exploded during the start of this pandemic because everybody wanted All to collectibles did. Everything did. But, I, you know, I'm going to take it back to, like, sports card. A uh, a Mike Trout card sold for over $4 million. That's, that's new. The, that's, that's a, a signed one, right? A signed one. Yeah, that's the Mike Trout rookie card. It's funny. Um, So Polari, our, our friend uh, Tom Polari, who uh, was on our statue episode, he randomly gets into that. He bought a couple of packs from that box. And I don't even, I think he was paying like a hundred dollars a pack. Yeah. Oh my God. For the, for, um, for that. And he bought like three or something like that. So he pulled the rookie card. He pulled the Mike Trout rookie card, but not that one. Right. So like he still got like his money worth it out mm -hmm. of it, but. Crazy. It's crazy. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, it's fine. Yeah, so I've been collecting records for since I got into music. Um, I always just thought they were cool, like with the packaging and stuff. Um, but records are interesting because there is, at least from what I've seen, much less room to make money on them if you're like a private seller. So you really make your money from selling in quantity. And not like you know one super valuable thing. Like out of the probably six hundred records I have down there, I have one that's worth two hundred fifty dollars, and that's my highest value one. All the rest are like super low, and I you just buy to listen to. Um, they don't really do like like they'll do limited releases. Like record store day is a big thing. I'm sure you know about that, JJ. 
yeah. Um, they'll do limited releases where it's like, you know, 2,000 copies of this album, 100 copies of this album. But even those, they you, like you get them from record stores, so you're paying full price anyway. Sometimes they're over, um, and you, there's not much room for margin on them. So that's not it's not the best hobby if you want to make money, unless you have a store or you specifically set up at record shows and you have like quantity that you want to sell. I, I think that they're worth more to people who like that individual. So like I'm a big Pearl Jam fan. I've got yeah. a lot of Pearl Jam vinyls. And some of the vinyls I've got, they're worth some money to that to that market. Yeah, it's a very yeah. It, that, that's a good point. It's a very um specific market because right. you have to get the record lovers first of all. Then you got to get the people who like that band. Then you got to get the people who like that band who are willing to pay that money. Right. You know, and there's much less of that than there are you know Spider-Man fans willing to spend three thousand dollars on a comic book. And just and just like and it's funny because just like the comic industry, there are different um, versions. Mm -hmm. different uh, pressings, pressings mm -hmm. of vinyls than there yeah. are you know yep. so you know you want to get yourself the first pressing yeah not so like know, what the third or fourth yeah for a perfect example so acdc is like my first favorite band so for years i was tracking down their first album which was only released in australia and mm -hmm. had six pressings the first year it came out so i had to and there's like tiny differences between you know the pressings. Like okay, this one has a picture, a little picture of a kangaroo on the label. This <laughs> one, this song is spelled this way instead of this way. So you got to, you got to. It's very minute research. And, See, yes. it all comes down to research. Yeah, but that it's research and also having a very, very close attention to detail. Yes. Because those are so easy to confuse versions. Like comics and is very easy to tell printings. Um, these not so much. And I mean that's another thing you know with becoming an expert on the condition of stuff you know that's you know the condition inversions are kind of like the same thing and i think there's there's video games like that too where there's different versions oh, yeah. i think um even the cards too i think to some degree totally. they have that uh, my uncle probably has like ten thousand records he used to be a dj like in the late that's 70s cool. and 80s so he might like, have some like promotional copies of stuff that are rare, he really probably rare had, like he's like do you want to come and take a look at it I was like i'm not the right person to come <laughs> and take a look at it <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like the, what's what going to happen is if you're you're going to offer someone to buy it, there's probably going to be you know interested in a limited amount of it. Yeah. And, but you know, like you're like, well, I want them to take it all. I was like, well, probably. Yeah. But something like that, you know, someone who does that could make a good amount of money on. That. Yes, the person who yeah. takes it all. I was like, I wouldn't do that though because I think you have more money here, yeah. in like probably some of the individuals. Sorry. Yeah, definitely for sure. Um, all right, that was a lot of fun, guys. Uh, I really enjoyed talking about that kind of stuff. Again, please, you know, if we miss something, if there's something you want to ask us, please reach out because this is something we're really interested in. Um, something we get excited if you know people are interested in as well. So, we're inherently um, collectors, so anything, yeah. <laughs> you can, if, if you just look down, we have all our information on you know the YouTube details down here of how to contact us and um, you know, on uh, all the podcast sites as well. Um, but let's get into our awesome 80s movie review. And the review for this episode is the 1987 classic. The 1987 classic RoboCop. Not any other version. Uh, it was directed, and I'm going to butcher his name, Paul Verhoeven? Verhoeven? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But um, he directed this. It was starring Peter Weller as uh, Murphy slash RoboCop. Um, so it had a budget of $13 million. 
it grossed about $53.5 million. So it made a little over $40 million, this movie. And a million of that budget, I'm, from what I read, w- went to the making of that suit. <laughs> so um, I guess my first question to you guys is, so we all recently watched it. Um, does it hold up 30-plus years oh later? Oh, my God. Okay. It's me speaking because I've never seen it before. Okay. Um, this is the one I'm really interested in. Hearing. For a movie from the 80s, I was – absolutely floored at how good it looked and how real it looked and how good it still looked today. You know? Yeah. And watching it again, like, and it's funny cause I probably watched it like six months ago and I wasn't like watching it to analyze it. So this time I kind of was, and I was like, wow, I was like, this still looks great. I was like, when you compare this to like, what the hell that, that thing movie we watched is like, Oh my God, this looks amazing. It's much more. It's I was much like, more. It was just like, you could tell like everything, it had like that real grittiness. They used, you know, real sets and stuff like that when they had to, you know, for some of the scenes with like the Ed 209 robot, you could see like it's they, used, they, it's all they stop used modeling too. Yeah. They yeah. used a lot of like small and bigger modeling. Yeah. I mean, that stuff you could tell a little bit. The most uh, made fun of part is um, at the end when he shoots um, Dick Jones and he falls out of the building. I don't know if you notice this, but his arms like stretch out as he's falling. Um, but I mean, I was blown away, like, you know, really looking for it, like how much it held up, like, you know, for a movie that came out in 1987. Oh, my God, yeah. That was my first takeaway from it. As soon as I saw Murphy get obliterated with all those guns, I was like, oh, that was Let me just let you know something. That was the toned-down version of that scene. There's an unrated version of that where it's even worse. I I watched the one on Prime. I don't know which one is that. Which one? I I watched this movie for the first time, 1989. I was five years old, Matt. I should not have been watching that movie. (laughs) Um, And I watched it a lot. It was like we had three VHSs at my grandparents' house: Roger Rabbit, Bambi, and RoboCop. We rarely ever watched Bambi. It was back and forth between RoboCop and Roger Rabbit. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I remember, so this is something that you probably can't attest to. I know JJ can. The RoboCop craze after this movie came out, the toys, the cost. I remember oh, sure. for at least three to four years later, people still being RoboCop for Halloween. I mean, again, there was, there was sequels as well that came out with these two. There was a cartoon that came out with it. There was TV shows that got spun off that like lasted a season or two. There was one TV show I was really locked into and they canceled it after like eight episodes. I was like, no, they're like, it's, we're losing money every episode we make. Cause it's so expensive. I was like, <laughs> Fun fact. I read that it was the whole suit was too big to fit in a car. So anytime he's in the car scene, he's not wearing the bottom part of the suit. He's sitting there in his underwear in the top part of the suit. Oh, <laughs> what I thought was really cool was when at the, the and towards the end of the movie when he takes off his helmet and you yeah. see like his face and the back of the head. So that so that cool. I was gonna ask next, like what was your favorite part? And then we'll go into like least favorite part of the movie. Favorite part. JJ, you go first. So I saw this movie in the theater. Um, Cause I was much, I mean, I was 16, I was 16, 15, 16 there. And I remember seeing this in the theater. So I remember this craze. I don't remember much of the TV show for, for some strange reason. That came and out I, in the nineties. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't play with any of the toys cause I was, I was much older. So I knew that there were toys and, and everything it else. Was like video that. Game. It was a huge video game. It was a big, the standup arcade there was yeah. um, favorite scene in this movie. So, 
you know, and this is gonna unfortunately I know one of your other questions is the most underrated character, so it's kind of like a mixture of that. Okay. So I, I was a big fan of uh, Paul McCain in this movie. I love this guy. Um, he was one of the henchmen. The henchmen of, were funny as hell. Of this, of this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Emil. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I was a big fan. I loved him. He had a great laugh in this movie. Ah! Yeah, you know, yeah. right. The cast of villains were, were great. The villains were fan. And, you know, yeah. and, and some of these villains were big. I, you know, Ray Wise. I mean, I, I yeah, know Ray Wise. I mean, he was the voice of you know, Gordon in, uh, in the killing joke. If you guys, we've yep. seen that he was, a voice. but Paul McCain, I love this guy. You know, there was a scene where, you know, they're in that industrial park and he's hunting him down with a big giant gun and, you know, Robocop hits him with the car and into a, an acid and he comes out of this acid. He's just that, melting that, away. Oh my God. That's and, my least favorite scene in the movie. It still, oh, grosses, love, it still grosses me out 30 years later. Everywhere. And I just, when I <laughs> saw that, I was like, Oh my God. Like, I mean, it's an intense movie too. Like this is a rated R movie. Like anyone, like it's, it's, you got, know, it's graphic violence. It's severe. I think I remember when it first came out, it was because it was so graphic. I think they wanted to give it like a rated X because it was so violent. And I think that's why they came out with that toned down version yeah. um, of it. Oh, I, I love from what I, from, I remember like now I'm even thinking about like on the news, you know, six o'clock news and you're talking about RoboCop and how violent it was and everything else like that. Oh, yeah. But that part of that movie and, 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 and Paul McCain, I, I love that scene. And, you know, going back to the visual effects of this movie, it was absolutely stunning. To and have I believe they were Oscar nominated too for that. Yeah. I mean, you saw his flesh coming off and he exploded and, you know, and that, that was just a small part. And going back to that violent scene of the shooting, you know, I've never seen so many bullets pumped into somebody before <laughs> in any other movie. I mean, there's no other movie on this planet. I don't and think. He's still stuck. And he's still stuck. <laughs> and he even got his hand shot off. Yeah. Like the visual, you got to give kudos to the guys that, that, that the visual oh, tech effects team on this. I think they actually won for like audio editing, I think they won an Oscar for. Somehow they didn't win for visual effects. I have to go back to the Academy Awards 1987 to see what beat this out because I'd be very surprised. But yeah, uh, so that's it. And you know, Peter Weller, you can't get any better. Dr. Peter Weller. To you doctor, doctor, yeah. <laughs> and he he forced that down my throat when I was talking to him. Excuse me, it's doctor. I'm like, okay. Um, you know, you think about who they could have gotten to play RoboCop, and it all comes back to any really any major character of any movie. Like, you, there's no other better person than the person they chose. I mean, I he's so, so robotic too. Like, even today, like his like the way he speaks is very like you know cybernetic. You know, even his movements are very kind of like. I feel like he just like I, I think he was taught by like a mime like his movements and I don't think he's ever changed those movies this is movie and I tell you he's such a great actor I mean some of the movies that I love this was one of probably my top two of his movies I mean I'm a, I'm a big Buckaroo Banzai fan <laughs> and you know him being Buckaroo Banzai I mean that's that's my favorite movie Peter uh, Weller movie and you know when I got to meet him I got you know that's what I got from him it was an autograph of that picture um but Anything really he's done, it's it's absolutely amazing. I mean, look at it. He was in Star Trek. He played what what was he a commander in Admiral. one of the movies? Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's good at everything he touches. I mean, that's that's really what it is. 
did, did you have a favorite scene there, um, Toy Story? You, you think about it yet? Yeah, and Clarence um, came into what, what was the guy's name who built RoboCop? Um, the guy that he killed with the grenade. Yeah, it was uh, God. What's his name? It was Morton, uh, Bob Morton. Yeah, that was one of my Bob favorite. Morton one made one a mistake. Now it's time yeah. to erase that mistake. Yeah. So you know how often me, my cousins and me watch this movie a lot. We quoted it so much, like that beginning scene where they throw the guy out of the van. We we say constantly, "Can you fly, Bobby?" <laughs> I, mean, I think the awesome. most quoted part of that movie is, "I'll buy that for a dollar." Oh, yeah. I mean. And I heard a lot of quotes that I like have heard for years, and now oh, I'm like, yeah. oh, that's where. Uh, you know, my favorite part of the movie isn't actually even necessarily part of the movie. It's I love those like cut scenes, like those like news scenes they had, yeah, and then, like the cool. commercials. Oh, them. I love Nukem. Like, like, yeah. That was just fantastic. I mean, like I, again, I love the whole movie, but like. That's like one of the first times I've ever seen a movie do something like that. Like at least when I was a kid, I'd never seen anything like that before. I was like, wait, like there's a commercial within this movie? Like this is so weird. And I I always thought that was cool to this day. I mean, obviously, like there's like scenes where like he like I think that whole scene where he like busts them at like the drug lab, that's an awesome scene too. But uh, my least favorite I already said was the scene where Emil explodes is gross. You know, I didn't, I didn't say my least favorite. I didn't like the the uh, scene where he's in the car park when all the cops are shooting at him. Yeah, yeah. I just thought, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, we're friends." I'm like, I just, <laughs> I just thought that was a little. Yeah, it's weird because like the SWAT guys were going after him, but then some of the other guys were like, "Oh no, this is wrong." It was and then really they just late, and then he got blasted a second time. I mean, yeah. the, the trauma that this guy went through. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> From poor guy being being a cop with no suit and being blasted beyond recognition. The uh, girl cop, what was her name? Anne Lewis. Anne she Lewis. Lives. She was yeah. my least favorite character. Yeah, she lives. She got shot yeah, up. She's my least favorite. <laughs> oh, she, she does live though. Sorry. Yeah, she, she got she, she got shot up in the industrial. Yeah, sorry, they don't they don't really make that clear, Matt. Yeah, it wasn't you know, part, that, sure I, I she's in part two. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. But you know. <laughs> You know, seeing this guy get blasted, you know, to bits, and then becoming Robo RoboCop, and then being so he got blasted by bad guys. I, I thought and then he got blasted guy, by the oh, cops. Man, this guy can't catch a break. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So you kind of already gave us your underrated character. Uh, yeah. Um, sorry, I had to go there. I I feel like I don't know if mine's underrated, but I'm. He's my. He's not a main main cast guy. I love Kirkwood Smith. I mean, Clarence Bodiger. I mean, so Matt, the reason you 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 texted me this earlier, or texted us both earlier, like, oh man, I can't believe Red from the '70s show is in this movie. I was like, That's the reason I watched the '70s show, I was like, oh crap, Clarence Bodiger is in this show. Exactly. I'm gonna watch it. Generational thing. Because yeah. like, I I know I knew Red from watching that show religiously growing up. And I had never really seen him in anything before. I said, like, oh, this is going to be a good show. This guy is yeah. awesome. I mean, so it's funny. He actually went in to test for the role of Dick Jones. And they didn't even tell him when he got cast. Because he, he thought he got cast. Dick Jones like, no, no, we're going to have you play this other guy. And when they explained to him, he's like, the director's like, I think you're going to really crush this other character. <laughs> he crushed it. Oh, so, so good. I mean, aside from like Peter Weller being like an actual robot, like if you told me Peter Weller was a robot, I would believe you. That's how well Peter Weller performed as RoboCop. I mean, Clarence Boddicker is just amazing in this other way. I mean, really strong. Even um, even the guy who plays um Dick Jones. I mean, he's um the same director directed um 
Total Recall, like the eighty, the eighty, yep. uh, the 1990 movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was also considered for RoboCop, but they're like, he's too bulky. He'll never fit into a, a robot suit. And it was like, they were worried it would be like too similar to Terminator. But like that guy was like, you know, he was great. I think his name, his name's Ronnie Cox. Ronnie right? Cox. Cause he was also like, in um, uh, Beverly Hills Cop, which was, yes, I he's love the, him that was that. another way. Like he was just such an, there's so many people in this that were just such eighties actors. Yeah. Like even Nancy, like the woman who plays Lewis, she's in, um, she's in that horror movie with uh, John Travolta's in it too. Carrie, she's like the yep. girl who dumps the blood on Carrie yep. in that movie. Like she's like the mean girl. Um, yeah, like even the guy who plays Bob Morton, he's a famous guy. He actually recently died a couple of years ago. Uh, his name is Miguel Ferreira. And you already mentioned uh, Ray Wise. It's just like a ton of people. Like just going through this, I'm like wow. But I mean, really great cast. I mean, other than Anne, I don't know. I was just very annoyed. I was always annoyed by like the Anne Lewis character, like in all the movies. I, and again, like I was doing, like I was reading through like all this different stuff about RoboCop last night after watching the movie, and I guess there was a girl who was on Remington Steel. Did you watch that back in the day, JJ Remington I, Steel? I, I've I've watched a couple of that. Was the girl who was in that show was apparently supposed to be Ann Lewis in this, but I guess she got called back to Remington Steel. So Remington Steel screwed up a bunch of potential movies, Matt, in the future because her co-host on Remington Steel is. Um, what the hell's his name? Pierce Brosnan. They wanted Pierce Brosnan to be Bond, and he was gonna be Bond right before um, the other British guy. Um, what the heck's his name? The, the guy, the guy who no, the guy who took over after Roger Moore. Oh, he was only in like two movies. I forgot what his name was, but um, but again, Remington Steele. Like, oh no, you got to come back and film, so you can't be in this right now. Uh, yeah, crazy though. Um, so did everyone give their – did you say you had the same underrated character? Not, not even really favorite, definitely. Yeah. I don't know if it's underrated, but he was definitely the highlight. Yeah, he's probably not even underrated. Yeah, I don't know I if guess I would it, say an underrated character because he grabbed me the most for sure. I guess if anything underrated, I like the old man. If you, if you want a true underrated I kind of like – what did you say the guy's name was who got blown up again? Who, who uh, built Emil? Robocop? The guy who Emil? played Emil? Yeah, I like – the guy I mean, built he was Robocop. really good too. I, yeah. I got to give you that. I thought he was really strong. Too. Paul McCain? Yes. Yeah. He, he's from ER. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, in ER too, he's yeah. actually he's been in a lot of things. And you know, he what I like about him too is he's got a bad guy look to him. No yeah. matter what he's in in ER, he could be a bad guy. In yeah. It. Like he's just like a jerk. He's got a very jerk face. But I I just I love that character. I love his character in that. Just I don't know. All right. Let's go into the most anticipated part of this review. Great. The great. Let's start oldest to youngest. Oh, I'm gonna give this a nine five. Wow! Yeah, yeah I that's love not this. Comic book grade. That's not a comic book grade. You gotta nine, give a comic book grade. Nine point five. Not comic book grade. Nine point eight. Nine point eight. Okay. I'll go nine six. I'll do a nine all right, six. All right, all right, that's fair. Wow! I love this movie. I love this movie. I feel like I'm giving it a bad review now. Yeah, I love Jeez. this movie. I, I love I, this movie. I'm going to go 8.5. Okay. I love it. I mean, there's small things here or there that bother me about it that doesn't quite make it into that 9. And, and Lewis, I'm really forgiving because I almost want to give an 8, but 8.5, I think. Really I'll sure. go 9.0. I know. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm the low I'm, man. Jeez, I love I'm this so movie. Right. 
it it grant like it brought me in right from the beginning. You know, yeah. usually most movies it takes like half hour to get going. Whatever this was like right away. And it's cool too because it's very satirical yeah. about like what's going on in the world. And you, you got to remember it's about the future. Mm-hmm. So it's like the to like what they're talking about in the news like the the whole world's falling apart and they're like and they're so cheery about it well another news but let's check out this new car yeah. <laughs> just like and it opens up with this guy like doing a commercial for like a new like automated heart it's yeah. so strange i always so, forget about that part. <laughs> yeah um, but all right cool Fantastic good stuff movie. great Again, movie keep proving that i'm very harsh judge of everything yeah. we, we, we got to keep doing this uh this segment i like we'll, it. Do, we'll do another one because i love yeah. this we're, we're going to continue this um if we don't do it every episode we're going to do it every other episode yeah <laughs> all cool. right guys so anything else no, i think else this was a great episode all right i do too so before we go off the air i just want to tell everybody there's still um it's still open is it till december 15th or yep. december 5th december 15th you can vote for us on Best of Li uh, under Arts and Entertainment, and then scroll down and look for podcasts. Vote for Don't Feed the Geeks. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, we'd we'd love to. We're we're really honored to be nominated, but it'd be freaking super cool if we won. But yeah, mm-hmm. listen, anything can happen when you're in Vegas. Uh, we're in Long Island. <laughs> um, yeah, so reach out to us again about any questions about this. You know, collecting profitability stuff. You know, on social media, you can see the scroll here. If you're on, um, if you're watching this on YouTube, or if you're listening, you can look down and see the information of where you can find us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, email uh, our email information. And um, don't don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel because we're going to be yes. starting, hopefully putting more content out. We're going to be putting more content there. We also just did a book club on V for Vendetta. Hopefully, you guys uh, were able to watch that. If you haven't. Uh, go and watch it. Highly recommended. Uh, and we're going to be doing more unboxings, different stuff. So it definitely, you know, you're going to want to, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, you know, audio, that's fine. But we're going to be putting a lot of um, video stuff there too. So you're going to want to subscribe and check out what we're doing there. Oh, yeah. All right. You guys got anything else? No, I'm going to go continue reading Ready Player One. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, remember. <laughs>